is Ryan from Spit and Polish. Hello, Ryan. Hello, Stefan. I am sorry that I am not Bartek, but... Uh, it's okay. On, our sh- on my show, Spin Polish, my co-host is Bartek, but he does not have much in taste of music, so you have me. That's right. And uh, you were on last week... last Not last week. The, last episode. The previous episode of Rock Capital. So for those who maybe missed that, what is Spit in Polish? Uh, Spin Polish, uh, we are a podcast that talks about movies. We have a couple of shows. We have a weekly show where we give uh, audio commentary tracks for movies that seemingly don't deserve them. I mean, you've been on a few episodes. What are some of the movies you've covered with us? Uh, The first one, or no, the first one was The Prince of Persia. The Sands of Time. Yes. And then we did Wolf Creek 2 at my suggestion. At your suggestion. Yes. And uh, we also did a mystery there was also the A team. The A team, yeah. yeah, with Bradley Cooper. Yes, I've done three, th- three unappreciated masterpieces. Yeah. where you uh, basically where we do a commentary. Don't on forget, we did from Paris movies. with Love. Oh yes, from Paris with Love. John Travolta's, and you know, and we have a and we have another show where it's like a monthly show where we talk about movies found secondhand from op shops, the gutter, you know, stuff like that. From the gutter. There'll be yes. an episode with Stefan coming up on our show later on in the month. So. Listening people out there, you know, keep keep your keep your ears open because you might hear Stefan. If you come over to us, you you hear Stefan's voice. Do you take mystery box donations? Because for my birthday a few years ago, somebody who I won't name, he's a nice he's a nice guy, but you can kind of tell he was like, oh, I gotta go to JB Hi-Fi and get him a couple of gifts. <laughs> One was a copy of the Hangover DVD, the unrated version, which was great. Oh, good, good. Okay, and, I was like, what's wrong with the... Un- and then the other one was, I think it was... I don't even know what it was. I haven't <laughs> watched it yet, but... Uh, so you don't know if it's good or bad? Yeah, so I'm going to watch it myself, and uh, I don't know what to do with it. I'll donate it to you guys for a mystery box. Excellent. And uh, maybe one of, one of you... Hopefully you guys will get it, <laughs> and you guys can do a show on it. So, why are we here, Stefan? Well, it was... Uh, I guess... We've been wanting to do this for a while. It was your idea, in a way, because um, the second episode of Rock Capital <laughs> races on, and he, with the the idea is he will come in and defend the Lulu album, which is the infamous Lou Reed and Metallica collabor- collaborative the album. Infamous, yeah, yeah, very infamous indeed. Um, so infamous you can't even find it on Spotify. At least I couldn't. No, no one can. <laughs> yeah, and I think the reason that is is because it's not a Lou Reed featuring Metallica or a Metallica featuring Lou Reed. It's a Lou Reed and Metallica album. Maybe they didn't think it was worth the bother. I uh, don't know why. But if you found it, let us know if you found it on Spotify. Send us the link because I couldn't find it. <laughs> no, no, I don't think it's there. So Reese came up with the idea of uh, we'll talk about let's let's what segments are we going to talk? He's like, oh, I'm going to defend the Lou Reed album. And then he came on. And didn't defend it at all. Well, and kind of said he only liked one and a half songs. <laughs> yes, one and a half songs. And and then didn't talk about anything in the album other than like he liked the last song and he liked a bit of the first song and that was it. And I'm listening as someone who is a Lou Reed fan. Yep. Listening to you and and Reese talk about all the Metallica aspects of this and kind of skimming over like, on oh, Lou Reed, you know, like... And I'm like, no, no, this is, for me, Lulu is way more of a Lou Reed album. And being a Lou Reed fan, I, you know, it, it tickles my tastes more so. There are things about it that isn't perfect, of course, because I don't think anyone really out there is claiming this to be like a 10 out of 10 album. For me, this is like a six and a half verging on seven out of 10 album. Like, it has a few things wrong with it, but I felt like... 
Reese had a good idea of discussing this album because yeah. it is one that is a point of contention for a lot of people, especially Metallica fans. Lou Reed fans are just like, hey, it's the last thing he gave us before he died, so we might, we should just appreciate his weirdness. Is it the last thing? Last album. Wow. I can't remember when he did that Gorillaz song, because he did that wow. also before he died. He did a song with the Gorillaz, which, honestly, if Lulu was Lou Reed and the Gorillaz doing an album together, <laughs> I think that would work better than maybe Metallica, because I'll be straight up front, I'm not a Metallica fan. I don't think Are you I, a Metallica hater? I'm a Metallica nothinger. I don't think I I've see. ever gone through a full album. I don't hate them. I don't love them. I recognize their talent and the, the, the what they've done for the general music sphere. Like, you can't... If you are someone like myself and someone like you who likes rock music, yep. you, you there are certain bands, whether you're into them or not, you, you can't deny the influence that they have. And Metallica is one of those bands for me. I'm not a big fan of them. Don't hate them. Don't love them. But I do recognize their influence and their, you know, what legends they are in that sphere. You could probably say the like everything you just said, so I don't have to repeat myself. <laughs> Um, which will ease on the editing process. You could say all that for Lou Reed, <laughs> yeah. because I've just never gone around to listening to him properly. You know, a lot of like the bands come to tour this year. I'm like, oh, this band's cool. I'll have a listen to them. Yeah. But you know, Lou Reed hasn't. I mean, as far as I know, he hasn't toured Australia uh, before he died. I don't know when he toured Australia last. So probably in like the I would say the 80s, maybe. Well, maybe we'll have to look that 70s up. 70s or 80s. He did have Lou Reed. Just fun fact, like. Lou Reed, for, you know, those not big on him, you know, very big artist, you know, and a lot of his lyrics and his music is about, you know, very confronting subject matter, yep. you know, transvestites and alcoholism, drugs, heroin, you know, prostitutes, all these weird stuff, all this interesting stuff. When he came to Australia, he was doing the Berlin tour, I'm pretty sure, he was at least plugging that album. The Australian journalism back then in the late 70s you should watch this video. It's just basically Australian media hounding him for being Lou Reed. They're like, so sometimes, Lou, is it true that you're a homosexual and a transvestite? And he just, like, like bluntly goes, sometimes. <laughs> and the Australian media are trying to figure out what his sexuality is. The Australian media could not handle Lou Reed. Just wanted to point that out. <laughs> a lot of these kinds of bands, it's just a story for him. It's just a fun story. Yeah. Or, you know, like like when Slayer used to write songs about the... About World War Two and all that stuff, and or people would accuse them of being um, Satanists. But it's yeah. more like no, our songs, like the one about the about the uh, the Angel of Death, which is uh, the uh, the Nazi guy that um, operated human experiments on people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Their songs were just, as he called them, documentaries. Yeah. And uh, the lead singer of Slayer, you know, he sit, he infamously has an album called God Hates Us All, <laughs> and sings a song called Disciple, and he's Catholic. So. Yeah, exactly, and. That's the thing that I find interesting with people like Lou Reed, who... Yep. That's why I love Lulu so much. Lou Reed was always confronting. Yes. He always, for a majority of his career, from Velvet Underground to his solo stuff to Lulu, was always divisive, always splitting people, always causing a controversy. And Lulu is, like, the best one because... Because it just pisses off so many Metallica fans. And that is 
the that is like a crown because Lou Reed was a contrarian a lot of the time. This is a guy who went into an interview, praised the Beatles, said he they were great, and yep. then in another interview said they were the worst band he's ever heard and overrated. So a lot of people don't like Lulu, uh, and I understand that. You yep. don't like Lulu. Is there any no. any aspect of it that you do like? I think I like the heavy riffs on The View, which was the first single that, uh, I guess, the infamous single. That yeah, that's one that people really don't like Because it was, it was the I fir- like the Metallica aspect of that song. It was the first single, so that's everyone's first taste of it, and that's probably the first, the moment when they realise they're going to write the album off. Mm. And, of course, it has the I Am The Table. Worship. Um, yes, worship, yes. See, the lyrics are what make that what makes the album for me. But that's a heavy riff there, and also Iced Honey. That's Iced Honey a, is... That's a short song, I believe, and it's also got a good riff. That's the shortest and, one, I think. Yeah, and I like Lou Reed's vocals on that one. It's all right. And so do co- I. And, of course, uh, as as Reese and I, and a lot of people on the internet would agree, Junior Dad is quite good. Yeah. It's a 20-minute song, even though uh, it's only about Nine 10 minutes. Nine minutes of actual song. Yeah, the rest yeah. is uh, some instrumental stuff, yeah, which is okay. That's yeah. a weird thing. Everyone loves Junior Dad. Like, even people who claim they hate this album. A lot of people, like, yeah, I've met some Metallic, other Metallic fans I've read online. There are those ones who go, oh, but Junior Dad's good. And for me, Junior Dad is an interesting song. I respect it, but it's not one that I would leap to as the one that I would go, oh, yeah, that's a great, um, that's a great song. Because when I think of collaborative albums, one of my big problems that I have with collaborative albums a lot of the time between two musicians or two bands is I hate on uh, some of them. You have this song is such and such a song. Then the next song is very much that person's song. Yep. I want bands who are to blend their stars together. Junior Dad's very interesting because from my point of view, Metallica, that's not something I would expect Metallica to sound like. But it's also like one of the songs that does utilize Lou's kind of ethereal nature. Yes. Uh, But for me, it just doesn't strike a chord as much as something like my personal favorite song on the album, Frustration. Frustration is exactly the song I'd point to, or Dragon. Uh, I'd point to and go, you want to know what Lou Reed and Metallica sound like when they blend their stars together and it works in harmony? Those two songs for me in particular, because both of them use the respective artist styles. The Metallica's got their thrashy, yep. aggressive style on both, but Lou Reed's lyrics blend well with both those songs together. And those are my two favorite songs. Yep. Yeah, that's that's the thing. But yeah, you don't... You don't like the album, do you, very much? No. I mean, I can't even remember how those songs go because I just can't listen to it. Well, frustration Person. frustration's the one that's Lou Reed talking about being old and spermless. <laughs> and he's like, I want you as my wife. You know what? I appreciate, I appreciate the lyrics, but I think this is part of the problem is, um, you know, I think if we... I, I guess to use an off-field example, was uh, Linkin Park's final album, One More Light. Mm. A lot of people, a lot of the fans may not like that album because it's very pop the way it's mixed. Yeah. But when they were performing the album live, and you know there is, they released a One More Light live album after Chester Bennington's death, and he's like, yeah, it sounds a lot more rock. This mix sounds a lot more rock. And a lot of people were also saying after he died, you know, do, do you think that the album... Do, do you view the album differently now that, I guess, um, after Chester's tragedy, do you see the yeah. lyrics in a whole new way? And it's like, yes, definitely. Just like, you know, David Bowie. Yeah, with Black Star. Um, yeah. Mm. Ryan has a David Bowie um, on his desktop. It's it's very... 
It's uh, it really yeah. It's really it's really, it really speaks to me. And uh, he had some <laughs> kind words about Lou actually. He we'll thought it was one of Lou Reed's best. Yes. And I am on a similar page, at least for later part of Lou Reed's career. Definitely one of his highlight albums. Probably that and the Raven. Hmm. Similar. We'll we'll talk about talk about that in a sec. But um, one more light. Um, I didn't like because it, it sounds so pop in the mix. But the lyrics I thought were quite good. I think Chester's vocals were quite good on it. And I think in the end, the problem was that even if you took a different perspective to the album after Chester's death, the, the lyrics and the subject matter weren't really the problem. To me, it was the sound of the album. Yeah. And that if, if we go back to Lulu. And um, even Metal Machine... Music. Music. Metal Machine Great Music. Great album. Back to that. It's not that the concepts and the lyrics and all that stuff were bad. I think, to me, it was the sound yeah, yeah. of the album. It, it was ultimately the way it was executed. I mean, the I Am The Table stuff, like the 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 riffs were heavy. They were good. But I don't think... I felt the vocalization worked on The View. Like, I felt like the way their voices blend... Because my big criticism of The View for quite a while was... Um, the vocals from what's his name? James Hatfield didn't work for me, but actually, upon re-listening to it just yesterday, I felt like actually this is working better and better listening to his vocals because they still the vocals from him on this album always stand out to me like a sore thumb because Lou's voice is aged and withered and it matches the kind of aggression of this music. But then you get him and he's he's like I'm the table and yeah, it's just yeah. like it sounds so clear. And kind of manufactured his yeah. vocals, but the more I listen to it, on especially the view, my my views on that, on the view, the views change a little bit more. Some other songs, not so much his vocals, but yeah, the view that one's a grower. I feel I feel like people went into that one being like, I want to hate it because he says I am the table, which is just such a minuscule line. It's a grower, not a shower, because if you show this song to people, a lot of them kind of tune out. But the thing, um, the thing is, it's a part one of a song, because you got The View, and then you got Little Dog. Yeah. And those two songs complement each other and commentate on one another. Like, The View is, is, a, is a statement, and Little Dog is the response to that statement. In Little Dog, you have, uh, you know, Lou Reed... Pretty much just dismantling everything yep. that's said in the view, like everything that's like I'm the table, and there's like, and in in little dog, he's like, get your fucking feet off the table, I'm no table, and like you know, and he's just like, you want to worship me, worship this, and he's just like aggression, 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 and that's what I like about the Lou Reed aspect of this album. And with Lou Reed, he is a storyteller. Yeah. A lot of songs blend into one another. Themes, lyrics, even vocalization styles bleed into one another. And that's why I think to like The View, you should give Little Dog a listen too to really kind of get what's going on. Well, David Bowie loved the whole album, so maybe you got to take his word for it, baby. But I don't know. Like There is a few things that I'll do to, to make this album great. Amaya's, I think, less James Hetfield vocals in uh, yeah. general. I think... Um, I think most people would agree it feels more like a Lou Reed album than a Metallica album. Mm. Um, even though, of course, you know one doesn't exist without the other. But that's true. That's true. Honestly, I think this, this is going to sound harsh, but I think it would have just been better as an EP. <laughs> I know you've said you said that on your previous episode, yeah. and um, the thing is, I I would want to agree with that, but the thing is, people always bang on about this album being nearly ninety minutes long. Yep. Everyone's like, this album's nearly ninety minutes long, and you can really feel it, and da da da. I haven't listened to this album since it came out, probably, or maybe a couple times after. And the thing is, 
when I first got this album back in 2011, I lived in small country Australia, didn't really have access to the internet, so I didn't really have access to all the backlash of Lulu. And I think that's one of the downsides of Lulu is its reputation. Hmm. People know of its reputation even before the album came out. People, like you said, wanted to write it off. Me, I had nothing to go on other than I'm not a huge Metallica fan, but I am always interested when a musician gets together with another musician that you don't think they would usually go together. Like, you know, and they and they do or they don't, uh, you know, and it's just like, okay, so I listened to it with no backlash and I thought, ah, oh, pretty enjoyable album, a bit baggy around the edges. The best way I describe this album uh, in overall is it's like there's a Lou Reed album and there's just this layer of grime that is Metallica and you just yep. kind of want to wipe that off a bit because, say, uh, Iced Honey. Yes. That is, for me, that is such a Lou Reed song. Like, it sounds like something you'd hear on Transformer. It sounds like something like uh, you'd hear on his New York album. It sounds like songs like Dirty Boulevard, I'm So Free, all that kind of stuff, but it has that chunky kind of generic-esque sounding metal music that you'd hear in the back of a pickup truck. Yep. And I just feel like I would want to know how Lou Reed would play this song live by himself without Metallica there Hmm. and how that would sound much better because we're also going to be talking about the Lou Reed album Berlin. Yes. And there's other songs on this album that feel like songs off that album like Pumping Blood really sounds like something familiar to, say, Lady Day, the second song on Berlin. Yeah. But there's that Metallicaism there that I'm just like, if we could wipe this off. And so I can understand why Metallica fans don't get much out of this album, outside of some songs like, uh, you know, uh, The View or, you know, the more thrashy songs like, uh, you know, Little Dog or Frustration or Mistress Dread. But there are those things, those songs like Iced Honey and Brandenburg's Gate yep. and stuff like that. Where I'm just like, Metallica, just kind of ease up a bit. They call it Lutallica in those circles. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you know what else David Bowie said about the album? So he said it was one of his best work, which is, cr- which is mm, a yeah. big call considering he's how- Velvet Underground and Velvet Underground and he had like 20 solo albums records that is a big call um i think you know with david bowie uh i've only read some of his comments uh it would make sense for david bowie to think it was one of his better albums because you've got to remember these musicians that's the thing too metallica's from a different generation than than lou reed and your david bowie's so your lou reed and your david bowie's mentalities were different their albums would be different to one another like there would be some running themes throughout them like you know david bowie has his space and fame and isolation themes going on but say you listen to ziggy stardust and then you go listen to low completely different moods Mm. and albums and lou reed is is no different and people like david bowie and lou reed and even iggy pop in their later part of their careers, they just weren't afraid. They had nothing to lose and just went, let's just do avant-garde, weird, nice. whatever we want. Black Star. Black Star by David Bowie is a really weird album. Yeah. Right? But it's a really emotional album. And and Iggy Pop, the godfather of punk these days, is doing blues and jazz mm. and French New Wave and stuff. And why not? Why not? And that's why I think someone like David Bowie can look at his fellow peer like Lou Reed and look at this album and be like, wow, okay, this is an interesting step because this is a really avant-garde album. And here's the thing I like about it, Stefan. I don't know how you felt about this, but I love how gross this album is. 
Like the lyrics are really offensive and gross yeah. <sighs> and weird. It's not out of the ordinary for Lou Reed, I would say. No, but it is kind of out of the ordinary to even think of these older musicians talking about age and death the way Lou Reed is on this album. Lou Reed's talking about fucking erectile dysfunction and and not being able to shoot a load and and kind of his hatred towards women, but also respect of women because, you know, being a man in this world and all this and this and this, and he's talking about all these really weird stories and mythos and all this kind of stuff. And a lot of people talk about this album. They go, I don't want my Metallica with some old man doing poetry over it. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Right. Well, he said um, after the album came out, and I think he was receiving death threats, which is not which is okay. Unfair. Come on, people, it's not okay. That's not okay. No, man. And um, he was saying, he, he's saying, oh, I was just doing this for the fun of it, because he said that he lost all his fans after Metal Machine Music anyway, which was, <laughs> which what was that, lie. like, three or four decades ago? Yeah, yeah so but that's, that's not, not true. true anyway. Yeah. But, like, big statement to make. But, yeah, it, it was an album that pissed off a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, and... Um, uh, Lars Ulrich um, said, oh, we, there was a similar backlash. I don't know if this comparison is warranted, though, when, you know the song Fate of Black? Yeah. Yes, by Metallica. He said that there I was... Do. There was... Um, there was outrage, he says, back in the 80s when that song was released because it has acoustic guitars on it. Mm. Um, of course, now, you and I were not alive back then. So, we? I don't I don't know how, what the outrage, how the outrage actually was. Well, there was a period of time, because the thing is, I have a friend who introduced me to this album, Lulu, uh, my friend Jack, and he's, he's a diehard Metallica and a diehard Lou Reed fan. Oh. And... You know, he always talks about, like, yeah, there was a period of time where Metallica cut their hair and started playing acoustic music, and we called them Alt-Talica because they tried <laughs> to be alternative. Well, that was that's a funny thing. I feel like you can kind of... It's, it's It was the 80s band into the 90s. Nearly all of them had to change their sound, or yeah. tried to, and a lot of them... Failed. Failed. Some of them made it out alive at the end when they went back to their new, old style or kept going. Most yeah. of them did not do so well. So, you know, Metallica did find success with, I guess, the Black Album, Load and Reload, but mm. fans weren't happy about the sounds of those albums. But And all the hair metal bands, yeah. like Motley Crue, didn't do so well either. Mm, and no. Van Halen, I don't think, did well. Bon Jovi was one of the few bands that did really well in the 90s from That's that true. era. And, you know, even Slayer went new metal for a bit. That is true. Um, Megadeth probably had some... Okay, albums. Yeah, so the 90s were a rough time for some of the 80s bands. Um, whereas a lot of the 70s bands did really well in the 80s. Like, a lot of people would say that David yeah. Bowie oh, yeah, released yeah. his best music in the 80s. Well, at least his most co- commercially successful music. Yes. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like And Queen 90s, as well, right? Yeah, oh, definitely Queen. Yeah. But, like, the 90s was a hard time for a lot of musicians, including people like Lou Reed and David Bowie. The thing I want to ask you about this, being a more Metallica fan... Yep. Metallica, even from an outsider's perspective, have become a bit of a joke in the music world. Like, people like Metallica. Do you think it's possible for people like... Bands like Metallica, who are known for a specific style, have a very specific audience, do you think they can 
really come back and make albums that are artistically worth doing, or do you think they're stuck in that mold of having to just do music for their fans? Because Lulu is one that I look at and go, this is them as musicians, as artists, wanting to branch out, wanting to push the boundaries, wanting to explore what they can do as musicians, and they get backlash for it. Um, well, I think that's a difficult, that's kind of a difficult question. I mean, in the early 90s, when I released a Black album, their self-titled album, um, which has, you know, Enter Sandman, Sad But yeah. True, and Nothing Else Matters, all that. You know, there was a, uh, oh, they sold out backlash to that because it was a bit more commercial. But, you know, today, you know, a lot of albums obviously age well. So, oh, yeah. um, that album is aged great. It probably sells every week it still sells heaps of copies. Oh, yeah. Um, it's one of the highest-selling albums ever. And, you know, a lot of... Like, I was watching a YouTube video a while ago, and they were, they were like, what is the best-sounding album ever? It was a bunch of rock and metal musicians. And most of them were saying, yeah, the Black Album. You can't get much better than that. It just sounds great. The production is great. So, they play a lot of songs from an album live. Oh, of course so, they do. So, you, know, um, you know, a lot of people still just prefer the first four albums when they'll just strictly thrash. Yeah, exactly. Um... So, but then, you know, they had the Load and Reload album, which is kind of like Enter Sandman, but those albums were, you know, they're really long albums, both of them, mm. like an hour and another hour. Okay. You know, there's a handful of songs that people like, but a lot of people are saying, it doesn't sound, there, there's like an acoustic song called Mama Said, I okay. think, which is um, an acoustic love ballad almost of <laughs> of James Hetfield's tribute to his mother, Okay. Um, for example, which which is a song I like. I don't think they've actually ever performed it in full live. Um, and then they released the uh, Saint Anger, which makes me Saint Angry. And I think <laughs> yeah. I did that joke last time. Yeah. Um, but it's tr- objectively, in my eyes, um, I have a friend who is a hardcore Metallica fan. Hardcore. Hardcore. Um, probably the most hardcore fan you've you've ever met. You know, he's, he's about our age, um, mid-twenties. And he's like, try the album. He gives me the CD. Uh, I don't know if I told the story on this podcast before, but I'll go through it again. So... I was in the car. Actually, I think I told it with Reese last yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But just to do it quickly, I was in the car with a family member, and they like Metallica. Um, they like not 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 a huge fan. They don't know a lot about them. But when I would play Metallica in the car before, they would like it. I put Saint Anger on, and he would deliberately skip the tracks, not knowing yeah. anything about the album. He didn't even know it was Metallica for I know. He's like, he's like, I haven't heard a single song that I like, and I'm thinking. That kind of says all you need to know about that album. I don't really like it either. Yeah. There's one or two songs that are okay. And I actually I actually struggle to decide if I like that more than uh, Lou Talica. Although the answer is, actually, I think I prefer St. Anger. Whoa! Um, okay, wow. Um, but this is probably me as a Metallica fan. There are some good parts of... There are some... In the uh, St. Anger Defense League or Defense Force, <laughs> if I'm doing the same for the Lou Talica album, there are some good parts of it. There are some... Um, you know, it's obviously very raw. There's some interesting ag- um, aggressive ideas. They sound the most aggressive they did in the 90s. Yeah. But the fact is, the sound of the album where Lars decided to uh, take the snare out of his drum and made it sound <laughs> like literal met- Metallica. Yeah. As in it sounds too, me- too metallic, that sort of stuff. And no guitar solos. So then I came up with The Day That Never Comes, which people have mixed feelings about, which is kind of like a return to i guess the 80s and early 90s sound it's mm. it's a bit more it's not quite as commercial as a black album but it's kind of in that direction and they got long song structures again once again the album was a bit too long a lot of blows they didn't do any mm. self-editing and also the production it sounds really distorted you know the loudness was yeah, but yeah, i try yeah. to put the song so it doesn't sound as good you could actually the guitar people 
the Guitar Hero version of that album because you could get the entire album for Guitar, Guitar Hero, Hero Metallica, okay, wow, okay. I think. People saying, oh, this it actually sounds better on this, <laughs> the master. <laughs> See, that's the thing. I, I feel like there are certain bands for me, like like ACDC, Metallica, you know, uh, there's a few others I can think of. They're, 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 they're always, for me, they're always going to be stuck. Like, I look at, like, Metallica and I just go... Outside people like myself have a certain idea of what Metallica are. People like myself who like ACDC, we have a certain idea. They always have a certain sound that appeals. And when they try to not do those sounds, they don't do very well. Yeah. And that's why people like... it's That's why... Like, when... Same with Kiss or something. Like, there are certain bands that are doomed in what they... I feel doomed or stuck in what field of music they have started and they are forever going to be stuck down that road. Well, someone like your David Bowie, he could do something like your Hunky Dory album, which is really kind of hippie and happy and weird, and then he could go and move on later to do something like Scary Monsters and Super Creeps, which is kind of insane and weird, and still have fans still from Hunky Dory still like that album, even though they're very different, because people like David Bowie and even Lou Reed and Iggy Pop, those people can move around in different styles within the rock sphere, while I feel like someone like, you know, ACDC or Metallica, they're always going to be stuck with that sound, and when they deviate, people are just going to not be happy with it. And that's why I look at Lulu and I just go... As someone who's not a Metallica fan, um, I see what they're trying to do here, and I wish that for 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 myself, Metallica could have pushed the limits more. I kind of wish that they were a bit more crazy on the yeah. album. I kind of wish that the Metallica aspect uh, of of Lulu kind of was a little less manufactured sounding. I wanted it to kind of sound a bit more raw. Uh, and that's kind of my weakness on on Lulu in general is it's the Metallica aspect of it. Even but it does grow as you listen to it more. I think it's going to be one of those albums that people go back and that was like that's one of the most hated albums of uh, of that decade. And it will grow in time. I feel. I feel like down the road people are going to look at it the same way they look at Berlin. I I, Lou, do, like I will Lou read like Lou Reed's Berlin was a despised album when it came out, but people who know their stuff look at that album and go, "That's one of the greatest rock, uh, uh, you know, rock albums of that time." I feel like the tagline for the Lou Talica Lulu album should be what I said before, which was "Grower, not a shower." <laughs> I think it sums up perfectly because you show people, hmm, you let them grow, let it grow on you, and like, hmm, yeah, you know what? It's actually pretty good. So and of course there's lots of sexual lyrics and all yeah. that kind of thing. So I think it's I think it's I think I, it's a perfect. I think uh, it's one of those things where it's hard to please anyone with this album. Yeah. Because the big question that I ask myself daily when I think about this album is why why Lou Reed and Metallica together? No one who are fans of either of those musicians ask for this. Not necessarily ask, because sometimes I get music that I don't ask for, and I'm like, I didn't know I wanted this. Mm, but no one in their mind thought that these two people, these two groups, would ever mingle together, let alone make an album together. Do you know how they mingle together? No. So... <laughs> Metallica was um, inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, I think, 2009, maybe 2010. And, uh, you know, they played a special set, and I believe Lou Reed played with them. Oh. And ever since that time, they were, you know, I guess they got along, and they're like, hey, you know what? We really should record a musical project together. So, like, we have to. Why not? Because um, at so that time, Metallica's credibility was 
pretty low to begin with. Yeah. So, well, uh, that, that... Lou Reed, that's one of his biggest hit albums since the friggin' 70s. Yeah. Which is insane. Oh, Lulu, was it? Yeah, it's oh, one of the in terms ones of sales. that, like, in terms of sales and the billboards and whatever, reached, like, the top 20 or 30, and that's, like, the first for him in, like, you know, since, since I think, something like Berlin or something like that, so that's kind of cool. But yeah, okay, so they met up at this rock and roll, okay, that kind of makes some sense, but it is that thing of, who would you want, if you had the choice, if you were told, okay, Metallica wants to do a, a, a collaborative album with another great rock legend group or individual who would you want you know what when you go back to i didn't know i wanted this but actually i kind of did was if you remember when metallica performed at the grammys with lady gaga oh yeah and lady gaga is known for um so obviously she sings in different styles but she was in a led zeppelin cover band at one point yes and she i think she said her favorite um her favorite band is actually iron maiden Good. And she's, I think she's written a song called Heavy Metal Lover and performed with, wrote a song with Brian May, okay. or had Brian May performed from Queen. Okay, so, cool. you know, most people probably, you know, didn't know, didn't ask for that. But when I heard that um, they were going to perform with Lady Gaga, I'm like, ah, oh, this is going to be good. Yeah, yeah. And of course, you might have heard that, you know, obviously James Hetfield's mic wasn't turned on, but you can find footage with the uh, mic actually on, on the internet. Okay, cool. Yeah, you heard about that, yeah? Yeah, I have heard about yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, Because although uh, I'm not a huge Lady Gaga fan, I do respect what she does as a musician. Too. Yeah. She, she, for a pop star musician, she does some weird stuff. Like, you know, when she did that... When she teamed up with that, oh, I can't remember, like, she did that crooners type music. Yeah. She did a whole album where it was kind of like crooning, you know, old style jazz piano yeah. music. And it's like, she's got a great voice. But because of all that, I am, um, like, I really, because she's done so many different styles, but she hasn't released a rock album or a heavy metal album. You'd That's that. what I really, really want to see. And when you watch the footage of her performing with Metallica, she is really good. You can tell she's into it. She, know- she knows mm. metal. So I would love. Okay, I I think Metallica fans, to be honest, have maybe suffered enough. They don't want another risk, like you said, Screw Ryan. Screw it. Um, but well, they've had like one album. What? How many albums since Lulu? One. Yeah, they've had one, and that was uh, their comeback album. It was. It's quite good. Yeah, and you know what you should do now, Metallica, because I know you're listening. Destroy your credibility again, so when you rise back up, your fans will love you even more. Yes. Team bef- up with Gaga. And it will actually, I'm almost certain it will actually be really, really, really good. You see, for me, as a Lou Reed fan, I would never think of Metallica as a group. I would think of, oh, Lou Reed, I'd like to see him team up with, say, you know, you could go on, you know, other spoken word or kind of lyrical people like Nick Cave or even Henry Rollins. He would be great to team up with Lou Reed. Henry Rollins, Rollins Band in particular. They would be a great duo to team up together because both of them are vocally different from one yep. another. They write interesting lyrics. They write interesting riffs and stuff. And Henry Rollins is pretty chunky as a musician. Like, you know, his music's pretty, you know, pretty intense. So that would work with Lou. I would always think of something like those types of groups. Or, yeah, I even jokingly said, but honestly, I would have liked Lulu with the Gorillas and Lou Reed. That would have been an interesting album. Like, because this album's going for avant-garde. Yeah. And no one in their right mind thinks of Metallica and avant-garde in the same sentence. No, not but really. But something like the Gorillas, yeah, you'd think, mm. oh, yeah, avant-garde, yeah, no, I, yeah, they do their weird cartoons and their music kind of, you know, different and weird. I, those are the ones I would collaborate together because, you know, they would be interesting. But you know, any more? 
things you want all to say I, about all, I, all I'm thinking is any more collabs with Lou Reed. All I'm just thinking is the old white dudes from the 60s, 70s, or 80s, honestly. Oh, so, yeah. like you said, um, you know, you mentioned Nick Cave and, of course, David Bowie and Rolling Stones. Yeah, yeah. They would all work well. But, um, look, the album, you know, I'm glad we had a... <laughs> defense force of it, probably? Yeah, a defense force. It deserves a fair go. I, if you haven't listened to it, I would recommend giving it a go. It's a spoken word. It's not, like I said, it's a grower, not a shower. Well, yeah, that's and the thing, too. We're gonna give be, it a go. We're going to be talking about Berlin, and that's the thing. Lou Reed's vocals are an acquired taste. It's always the argument with Lou Reed is, is he singing or is he just speaking? And for me, on Lulu, I do think he is singing at points. Like, not every song. There are moments like, uh, I love... I don't know if you remember this, but I love on Frustration... There's just a moment where he just starts yodeling mm. and the music drops out and it's like a cappella yodel stuff going on. And I'm like, this is what I want more of on Lulu. But other than that, I think Lulu, you know, in fact, I'm going to lock it in. It's a seven out of ten album. You know, the other day I listened to it and I thought six and a half. But the more I'm thinking about it, it's a seven. Not the greatest, but it's a pretty decent album. I'm going to give it, like, under five. I won't say which number, because once you get to under five, it doesn't even matter what the score is, um, I've noticed. I will say 2011, this album came out, so it's been a long time, actually. Uh, More than six years, uh, six, seven years. So, when when we get to 2021, it'll be of ten years. Oh, we think about it now. Do you think... Because I just read this quote on the Wikipedia page for Lulu. Lars Ulrich says, he, he, um, he said, following Lou Reed's death... Um, I mean, the band said they enjoyed it. He he says that he thinks the album is going to age well. I think so. I think it'll be like uh, Berlin. Right now, do you think it's aged well? I think it's, it's been aged. A number I of think years. it's aged well. Uh, I I you know I had far more enjoyment of it now than I probably did when I first listened to it because I've I've matured. I think you know we're not going to get anything like this again on this scale. Like I can't think of this ever happening again with, like, a big band and a big, you know, avant-garde... Big legend. ...individual teaming up in this manner. I don't think we're going to get something like Lulu again anytime soon. And I think that in itself... That in itself, Stefan, is interesting. Yes. And I think that's... uh, Yeah, I think think it's going to grow. I don't think it'll be as big as Berlin, but I think over time, people will grow to like this album a bit more. I... Honestly, I don't think it's going to age well, just because I've been thinking of Saint Anger, and that album, unfortunately, hasn't aged well. In fact, I think Saint Anger might have been the opposite. I think it was kind of well-received when it came out, but now people are just like, yeah, you know what? There's no snare in the drum. There's no sh- what? What is this? Um, it's like, yeah, it's aggressive, but... So I don't think it's going to age well. I think the Metallica album I mentioned, Death Magnetic, the one with the bad production, yeah. it's going to age well, especially once they release a remaster, where it doesn't sound... Where it doesn't sound bad, mm. and the latest album that they released, you know, there's a few not that self destruct, hardwired self destruct. Um, that yeah. got good reviews when it came out, and people actually do want to hear the, the new songs. I think that's going to age very well, even though there's a few duds on I the hope album. So. Yes, um, so I don't, I don't think it's going to age well. Actually, Berlin, mm. I'm sure it, it's it's definitely aged well. It's uh, yeah. it's a good album, and I think the reason that. The, the the reason Saint Anger and the and Lulu won't age well is because in my eyes the execution wasn't up to scratch. Whereas in my mind, something like Berlin and I have I need to this one is a 
definitely a grower non-shower as well um, because, you know, you need to... Um, there's lots of bits and bots to it that you have to listen to over and oh, over again. Yeah. Berlin, though, it sounds great. It's executed well. It's, its concept has been delivered the way you'd expect. And I think the... Ba- not backlash, but the criticism received at the time is... It was just, you know, their opinion, not re- whereas... Poor hindsight. It's more like the... It's not that the concept was... wasn't um, executed well. It's more like they just didn't... It was confronting. In, in their, yeah, in their opinion, they just didn't like the music. Yeah, so Berlin. Berlin's an interesting album. You messaged me last night, or the other night, when you were like, uh, why Berlin? Yeah. And I immediately thought, ooh, Stefan didn't like this album. That's my immediate thought oh, when no. people ask me why this. Um... Now, Berlin is my favourite Lou Reed album. A lot of people would say Transformer is his best, and it's definitely a great album. Now, I chose Berlin because we were talking about Lulu, and I felt like a lot of the criticisms that people throw at Lulu is is about Lou Reed, and I thought, let's look at and talk about what is a great example of Lou Reed's talents and skills, his musicianship, his lyricism, his vocals... Uh, you know, he's just general demeanor that yeah. kind of drips off this album. You can feel the demeanor of Lou Reed on Berlin. So, you're not a real Lou Reed listener. Not really. This is probably the most of Lou Reed I've listened to since um, Lou Talica came out, actually. Yeah. So, <laughs> tell me about your thoughts, man. It was... Look, it, it's good. Um, I I do appreciate the concept. There is the bit... Um, near the end where they have the uh, so for those who don't know it's it's a concept concept album yeah and it's um I, I think a tragic story yeah about a of... couple and it's actually a sequel to one of their older songs which yeah, was yeah. called Berlin yeah which was on his first album and the producer or someone involved in the in the making of the album said he wanted he he wanted an ending to yeah, his song stories. He's like, what, Berlin? There was no... I wanted to know what actually happened. So he's like, okay, so he made the whole album Berlin. It was a concert album with a beginning, middle, and end. Yep. And it's about a couple, and yeah, as Jim, I understand... Jim and Carolyn. Jim yeah. and Carolyn. As I understand, their, kid, their, their kids get taken away because I think they were abusive towards the kids. Uh, or? Yeah, they're abusive in general in different ways. He beats her. She, she doesn't take care of the kids. She's too busy becoming a prostitute and getting addicted to drugs and sleeping around with black people because that's a big part of this album is is the racial stuff is in there a lot too. Like This was early 70s, right? Early 70s. So that is a part of her tarnished reputation is that she slept with a black officer's son and, you know, all this stuff and, you know... Yeah, so the album is about uh, the downward spiral of this couple. Uh, and Lou Reed is there to tell you about it. Sometimes it feels like Lou Reed is Jim, and sometimes it feels like Lou Reed is just this kind of omnipresent observer that's kind of walking through this story. Yeah, That's how I feel. I, I don't know if you got that feeling. Um, I, I think I would want to have more time to read the lyrics, I think, but... What I what I what I was reminded of is I don't know how much of Lou Reed's personality, personality, I guess, personal problems. The thing about Lou Reed, he he comes from the Andy Warhol house of people, where yeah. you have to take also you have to take what they say with a grain of salt. Like I said, he's a contrarian. So like you know Andy Warhol, no one really knows much about Andy Warhol because every piece of information you have on him isn't really verified. And same with Lou Reed on a level like Lou Reed is from that that group of people where you you, you might want to find meaning in his album and then and the meaning that you might find in it, he's like eh, 
you know like like the thing is like when he was asked about like how does he feel about this album now being critically praised when it was originally negatively praised he was just like and 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 what i always liked berlin like hmm. you know that's he's at he was very you know punk attitude so and i think the thing with the song with the children cr- the, the child crying <laughs> and asking for mommy are you a fan of the band corn uh, I have I have listened to some of Corn, but I wouldn't say I'm a huge fan. But yes, so I got into Corn sometime last year because they played a download. So okay. I was like, oh, there you go. There's a reason to listen to Corn, and you know, I was very much impressed because I kind of dismissed them years yeah, ago. Yeah, sometimes live performances do that. Like I, I, or even before the live performance. Oh, even before. Like for me, live performances can really make me like bands. Like I've never liked Birds of Tokyo. I saw them live. I liked them. I was mm. like, whoa. And then I listened to the album, like, why aren't you like this? Why aren't you like <laughs> when you're live? But go on. But yeah, um, I listened to them before and, you know, they're, a, they're obviously probably the first new me- new metal band and their albums are really consistent from at least from, from what I've heard. They mm. haven't, a lot of the new metal bands from that era, they change sounds or they stop making music. Um, uh, you know, Linkin Park obviously changed their sound. Um, yeah. And, but Korn, they've always pretty much sounded like Korn. And um, something that, um, this is also, I guess, a criticism of the early day was Jonathan Davis, he was abused as a child. Yeah. He, so, yeah, he was abused as a child. Jolene. Yes, please yeah. please call Lifeline. So, he the first few albums, was there was a lot of things about child abuse, and a mm. lot of the album covers were even suited, like, had this theme. Mm. If you have a look, that kind of freaky. It's a bit, it's a bit weird, honestly. Um, on the last song, it's called on the first album. It's called Daddy, and there's a bit where um, I'm trying to remember who he was abused by. I won't say it, so I, I won't say it, so I don't get sued. But yeah, yeah. Um, he in the song there is um, it was a really really personal song to him, and he kind of starts crying in like the middle of it mm. um, about about the abuse um, he he suffered. Yeah. Even though it's it's kind of like a character in the song, yeah, exactly. that's basically based on him. And he refused, I think, he kind of refused to play the song live because he said that it was really deep and emotional to him. The only time I think he ever performed it live was when they performed the entire album in full. There might have been some other times, but generally, yes. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yes. So that's what I was thinking. I was thinking, yeah, this kind of reminds me of of Korn, the... The kind of like child abuse themes of that, yeah. Yeah, the definitely abusive themes of Berlin. The thing about Berlin is it's a mood album. Yes. It is, uh, if you want to listen, and look, here's the thing. I've encountered so many people who do not like watching or listening or engaging in material that makes them sad. Mm. Lou Reed doesn't care about that because he wants to make you feel things in his music. That's why... You know, that's I what love, good art does. That's what good art does. Like Berlin is a real mood album. It makes you feel a whole bunch of emotions through it. Like I love Berlin, the song Berlin. It really does give that atmosphere of you know those people speaking drunk in German and here clanging on the keyboards. It makes you feel like you've just entered the the cafe that that they are in. And then you have Lou Reed quietly. Like, he's alone in the corner singing about them, you know? Like, it was very nice. Oh, honey, it was paradise. And it's, like, happy-ish kind of uh, vocals, but the music itself is kind of haunting. 
and kind of sad, but also kind of uplifting. And then you go into the rest of the album, you have songs like Caroline Says Part One. And that song, musically, is very peppy. Yep. And then you have Caroline Says Part Two. (laughs) (laughs) And the song is really... The music is really drawn out and slow because what he's saying is what's important. It's this terrible story about, you know, her being not afraid to die. Really emotional lyric, that. I always think about that lyric a lot where it's like, you know, she's not afraid to die, you know? And it's just like, yeah, Berlin is a real intense album. I'd Have say. you seen any live footage? Because I guess the album has now is now very much loved it enough for him to perform it in full a few times. Well, yes, I haven't. Uh, I've seen um, he did a, a stage production of it um, quite a while back. I've watched that. Very interesting. Liked it very much. He has his two uh, live albums as well, Lou Reed Live and uh, Rock and Roll Animal. And a lot of Lou Reed fans uh they, including myself, the song How Do You Think It Feels, um, the, the live version of that song, it's just night and day. That, yep. that live version is just so impressive. It's so heavy and it's real rock and it's real aggressive. And a lot of people like the live version more than the studio version. But, of course, the studio version of How Do You Think It Feels works perfectly for the general atmosphere of that yep. album. Uh, so, yeah, I've seen him I've seen him and listened to him do live versions, and it's always interesting because he's one of those musicians where, you know, sometimes when you see a live band, sometimes you want them to emulate what they did on the album because the album's so great, and other times you want to see them do it differently when yes. they're live. And Lou Reed was a different type of guy. Like, there's a song by Velvet Underground called Sweet Jane about marijuana. <laughs> so <laughs> drugs and that live version has like a like a five minute opening uh just guitar riffs and just riffs in general of all these things and it's the best yeah <laughs> and then sweet jane kicks in and it's just so earned like this massive build-up to what is a really kind of poppy song like for for that kind of that 60s bubblegum but also psychedelic lou reedy sound but then it's earned when it all crescendos and all that but yeah berlin so were there any songs in particular that caught you, you by, you know, like, did you really enjoy? The song that I liked. <laughs> yeah, it's um, not, You know, because all the songs was... bleed together so well on this album. That's what I like about a good concept album is when you don't really notice the songs changing too much. I liked Carolyn Says 2 and The Kids. The Kids? Yeah. Okay. Those two songs are back to back. Yeah, those two songs are back-to-back, so they're story songs yes. as well. What about those two really spoke to you? I um, I was listening to the album kind of like oh, just a few times, not, not enough yeah. times, unfortunately, but the songs that I kept, um, that kind of just stuck out in my that just like, no, I haven't listened to this again, was those two songs. I just kept going back to it. Yeah. You know, knowing what the concept was, this is kind of like near the end of the story. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, my memory isn't great or the whole album yet, but it's just those two songs that are like, yeah, I'm going to go back to this. Because the first two songs in particular, a bit of, um, it's a big build-up. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, you kind of straight into the story on those two songs. Yeah, yeah, that's that's true. Like, yeah, the first two songs, Berlin and Lady Day. Obviously, Lady Day is, I mean, both those songs are about the story still. Yeah. Like, Lady Day is about her. and But yeah, Caroline, uh, you know, and Caroline says part one is when the story, you could really, like, kick into the story like you can go okay the story's happening and then the rest of it my personal favorite is men of good fortune 
I love the lyrics on that. I think that is Lou Reed's best lyrics on that he's written. Those, those, Ever. Yeah, yeah. Something strikes a chord with me about the lyrics on Men of Good Fortune, and I think his vocals are really good on the album in general. Are you, how did you feel about hearing Lou's vocals, especially him being younger as well? What did you think of his, his vocals? Did they resonate with you? Did you not like him? Because Lou Reed's vocals are very contentious. Seems like, um, I mean, to me, I couldn't really tell a major difference from what I've heard from the more recent stuff because he kind of sings in the similar style yeah. in those days. So it's not like um, when you listen to old Metallica um, and the new Metallica because, you know, obviously he's a metal band so he has to yell and scream. Yeah, and yeah. Apparently he broke... He um, he messed up his voice in, like, the early 90s, James <laughs> Hadfield. So, you know, when you listen to the first Metallica album and we listen to the most recent ones, there's a major difference. You can tell there's a difference in his voice. Yeah, yeah. This one, I mean... I guess because obviously I'm a, I'm a Metallica obsessive, so I can tell these things. Yeah, if exactly. I was a Lou Reed obsessive, um, I'm not sure if you would consider yourself a Lou Reed obsessive. Oh, I would consider myself pretty versed on the Lou. Yeah, so do, do you see the difference? Yes, I do. Um, to be honest, uh, you know how memory plays tricks on you? Yes. I always thought when I Lulu, his voice was much more ragged and rough and old sounding. It's not actually as much as I remember it being... But the thing I also praise Lulu for, that um, something like David Bowie when the pitfalls off in his later part of his career, uh, is Lou Reed kind of accepts the oldness of his voice and reflects it in the music. Well, say David Bowie didn't do so do that as much with his voice in Next Day, his second last album, but in Black Star, he totally accepted that. And that's yep. why that album's really good for me. But uh, I can notice the difference. On Berlin, he's got a slightly more uh, light voice like it's a little bit more breathy uh it feels a little bit more like yeah just a little bit lighter like when you listen to another favorite of mine on the album the the bed the one where for me it just feels like Lou Reed is walking around this apartment telling you the horrors of what happened here yep. and how he's completely fine with it now because he's accepted what happened like you know this is the bed where she laid her head and slid her wrist that night, you know, and it's just like, it feels very, you know, dreamy and ethereal, while something like Lulu, he still has that ethereal nature, but it's a little bit more rough, but it's also harder because that album, he is being on purposely more aggressive. This album, he's withdrawn, I would say. Like, he sounds like... Like I said, uh, uh, an omnipresent kind of neutral narrator of this story. But at the same time, there are some moments uh, throughout the album where he is Jim. He is the partner. He is O-Jim. So he is involved in the story. Sometimes he is and sometimes he is. And I think that works. What did you think of the last song? Because last songs always leave, leave some tastes in people's mouth. The song called Sad Song. Sad Song, yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, he sounds like he's trying to make a point with that. Um, look, to be to be honest, man, I think um, I don't really have an opinion on it. We're going to run out of time, so I'll let you. I'll let you finish up what your thoughts on that one is. Well, sad song. I always here's the thing. A lot of Lou Reed fans take him seriously. Yep. I like most of these musicians. I take with a grain of salt, and I find humor in humor. <laughs> even Berlin. Berlin's a heavy album. But for some reason, when I hear Sad Song, it puts a little smile on my face because I say to myself, I'm making a concept album. How do I end it? I write a sad song. What should I call it? Ah, fuck it. Just call it Sad Song. And the song itself 
is very whimsical for what the depressing album was. This is an album that features children, actual children, crying yes, and that's... screaming. And the end song is like, she looked like Mary Queen of Scots. <laughs> and it's just like very, you know, I keep saying the word ethereal, but that's kind of what it is. And this album, like, say, Black Star for David Bowie, with musicians passing, these great musicians, there's some albums that you didn't even know resonate even more after their death. And Berlin is one that strikes a lot harder after he has passed away because it's dealing with a lot of heavy issues, mortality, death, you know, loss, abandonment, abuse, and all of these things that are, you know, universal thoughts, but it's presented in this very confronting way. And uh, that's which that's a good sum up of the whole Berlin album. Unless there's anything else you want to add to that. Well, I think it's just an awesome album in general that mm. more people should listen to, especially if you have listened to any B- Lou Reed before, and if you have listened to Lulu and thought to yourself whether or not you like him or don't like him, but you, Lou, but you thought to yourself. I want to hear other stuff from him because there are some people who listen to Lulu and don't like his stuff on it but can recognize this is a great talent. I recommend Berlin. It's an emotional album. It's very heavy. You know what I do like about it, though? It is grand. Yes. Like, it feels very, like, this is a show, this is huge, but it's also a very small story. Like, the music itself is very big and grand, like something like Men of Good Fortune. You feel like towers are just falling around you, but it's a very small-scale story. So, give Berlin a listen. And now we'll sum up the reason why we're here. Lulu, anything else to add? Lulu, uh, the thing about Lulu is, I think... Well, why have you chosen to... Defend it? Defend it. There are so many albums. I Well, I guess mainly because... Me especially and Reese were kind of shitting on it. You guys were shitting on it. Yes. I think it got shit on in general by society. Uh, I think it is a great example of something we'll never get again. Um, And to be honest with you, there aren't many albums that I listen to, and I'm a big music listener of my own style. There aren't many albums that I can think of that come to mind that I would defend the way something like Lulu would be defended because Mm. a lot of the stuff I listen to that I don't like people don't like it you know for the most part or if there's something I do like you know it's considered very very well regarded in the sphere that is it is in like Berlin but say Berlin isn't as well known by someone like yourself yeah but like for the people who know this music people love Berlin uh, so Lulu is one of those few albums that I can think of that's in my collection that I have listened to that I think is worth defending. And that's a part of the reason why, you know, you and Reese and, and other people, I kind of just scratch my head and go, no, 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 <laughs> guys. There's, there's a Lou Reed album here, and Metallica is there as well. But, like, a lot of people come in and just see the Metallica aspect, a very hardcore Metallica aspect. But like I said, this album isn't perfect. Look, but it's it's pretty good. It's a fair call, I guess, because, you know, obviously me and Reese are big Metallica fans, and we looked at it from that perspective, and, you know, of course, everyone has the right to judge an album on its own merits, you know, if, just take away that it's a Lou Reed Metallica album, just what the album is. But at the same time, I am glad that we got a Lou Reed perspective, a Lou Reed fan's perspective on this album. So I think we've got quite a balanced viewpoint, but still in your eyes, 6 to a 7 out of 10. Which isn't, you know, it's a good score, not not the best score. 
Um, so, you know, glad if to I'm have on, it defended. If I'm honest, though, there hasn't been really any albums in the last 10 years that I would give a 10 out of 10 to if I'm 100%. Maybe, maybe Black Star, but that is one of those ones where it's the context that helps the rating well if you don't have the context of why the album's all about death then it has a little bit less meaning but yeah for me personally that's why i think you know seven out of ten in the last 10 years is actually a pretty good rating for my tastes in music (laughs) well there you go um but before we before we end ryan um this is the rock capital podcast of course where we talk uh rock music in melbourne but probably the biggest story we'll just talk about one major rock story is acdc definitely have confirmed um, that they're making it, that they've recorded a new album. ACDC's yes. Brian Johnson, after everyone thought he was done with music in general. Because he was deaf, isn't it? Yeah. He, um, they were spotted with, um, ACDC was spotted with him with uh, with the original, not the original drummer, because they had so many drummers before they released their mm-hmm. first album, but the classic drummer, Phil Rudd, after he knew. He knew. There were, let's just say there were some dirty deeds, potentially done dirt cheap, that he was... <laughs> I'm um, accused of, and I think he was cleared, so he's okay. Um, but I can't, I don't recall who was the bass player in those sessions that were spotted. I'm assuming it was, uh, uh, it was Angus and Malcolm Young's uh, nephew, um, Stevie Young. Stevie who, Young. I think it's Stevie who's who will be performing on this album too, and it ha- apparently has some of Mal- Malcolm Young's riffs, so he will be have a presence of this album, just oh, like the last good. one. So, and. Brian Johnson said that he was tired of trying to pretend that it's not happening. So yeah. obviously we know it's happening. A lot of people expected if there was a new one to be with um Axel Rose. Um, you know what? And as great as he is, I'm I am more comfortable with the fact that Brian Johnson and Phil Rudd are back for this album. I'm a huge ACDC f- fan. I saw their last tour tours. I believe you saw one of their shows yes, too, Ryan. Was the them. last one? When was what year was that? Uh so that was the Rock or Bust tour. I think that might have been two years ago, maybe three years ago. I think the one before that. Yeah, Black Ice, which was 2010. Mm. And that was a yeah. great show with the classic Back in Black lineup. Mm-hmm. Uh, Malcolm was still live then. But uh, as an AC- we're both ACDC fans who have seen them live. What do you think of this news? Well, I think it's interesting. I hope it works. The thing is, ACDC is a very fine-oiled machine of a band. Yeah remove a part from it, they shall find a new part to put in and it shall work just as effectively. You know, if a band member dies, they can find someone else and it will, and they will do a great job. So I am, you know, I mean, it's, that's, you know, it could be interesting. The last couple of albums were pretty decent. You yeah. Know, especially for... Well, they sound like what you'd expect. They sounded like what you'd expect, but at the same time, no one else is sounding like that. So if ACDC owns... Except the for sa- Airborne. Airborne. <laughs> yeah, except for, you know, they're ACDC, so they'll always be the trump card over Airborne. That's true, yeah. Um, but yeah, could could be, could be interesting. So they could have replaced Phil Rudd, which they did on the last tour, and uh, but they brought Phil Rudd back, so that's great. And I thought they were going to replace um, Brian Johnson with, um, with Axl Rose, and looks like they brought him back because he managed to... Somebody managed to, um, if you didn't know this... They fix up a device for his ears, mm. which allows him to hear better. Um, hear better because yeah. he was struggling to he was struggling to hear on the last shows. So he he according to him he sounds better. He, he can sing better than ever before. I and so. I and I saw him perform with Muse. They they did Back in Black. Brian Johnson sounded great. So oh, he's probably in better shape than he was on the last tour or when he performed the 
when he performed on the Rock or Bust album. So I think he's going to sound great, even though he's probably hitting 70s at this point. Yeah. It wouldn't surprise me if he's already there. And, um, you know, Stevie Young performed with them in the early 90s, I think, when one of the when I think Malcolm was um, in rehab. So, you know, he's an old part of that band from back then. And um, I'm not sure who's playing bass, but of course, and of course, Angus is still being Angus. When you when we were talking about earlier in the podcast, some bands are setting their ways. Metallica can't really evolve too much from what their fans expect. But ACDC probably is the textbook definition of a band that will never change, doesn't want to change, doesn't need to change. And we're kind no, of happy with what it no, is. No, we are. We are. We are. I am one of those old school ACDC fans. I'm like, oh, yeah, Brian, Brian's okay. I like them both, honestly. They're both great, but, uh, yeah. He's a, he's not... I mean, he's got a unique singing style. Like, that's the important thing. Like, they're very distinct singing styles between between them both. You know, that's that's the thing. So, yeah, I'm interested. Do we know if it, Do we know anything more? Like, any names of anything or nothing? I'm going to assume that there will be a lot of songs with the word rock in the title. And black. <laughs> yeah, potentially black, like Black Eyes, Back in Black, all that stuff. <laughs> back in the black, because they're going to pay your bills. Yep, of course. Definitely going to pay their own bills with this. I hope that for this album, if it is their last album, I would love it if they decided to completely change their sound just to screw with fans, because Put I Put keyboards, love... piano. Oh, saxophone. Uh, yeah. You know, all of it. Like, I, I want xylophones. I want it to sound like a Frank Zappa album, is what I'm really saying. Mm. Another thing about Lulu, just quickly. Being a Frank Zappa fan, I am completely used to albums that are all over the place and long and uh, can be frustrating. So, yeah, that's another thing I wanted to point out, because that's Frank Zappa's discography in general. Well, the Black Ice album was their longest to date. It was... I th- at least nearly an hour, if not over an hour. Then their next hmm. one, um, Rock or Bus, I think was actually their shortest or one of the shortest. Oh, like 20 it, minutes? No, more like, I think it was under 40 minutes or something yeah, like that. And cool. I think people were happy with the way it turned out. So I Because th- it hasn't been too long since since that album, I think this one will probably be shorter as well. Cool. Um, you know, more all killer, no filler. And I'll be happy with that. And would you go see them live again? Ah, uh, yeah, perhaps. Yeah, definitely, you know. Um, what if it was Axl Rose, to say it was Axl Rose? Uh, no, no, thank you. Really? Oh, I'm not a, oh, no, I'm not an Axl fan, no. I'm not a big big fan of his sphere. I was kind of the music. opposite of everyone's expectations. So everyone expected Axl Rose to not be good when he performed, and then he came out and footage emerged, like, wow, he's actually really good. When mm. to me, it was kind of the opposite. It was like, no, nah, he's going to be really good. And he came out, and like, objectively, yeah. he was good, but there was something kind of... No, I thought he was... Objectively, I think it was great, but to me, there was just something off about it. It just didn't seem like, you know, it, it was a bit of, he, his vocals was a mixture of Bon Scott and Brian Johnson, but maybe like, I just couldn't accept anyone that's not Bon Scott or Brian Johnson. That's, that's the thing, That's man. That was me, you know, but it's, it's, I would probably go. Wasn't but, there a third singer? Wasn't oh, there the first one? The my, very first one. My dad. I can't remember my his dad's, My dad has, in his time, seen every iteration of ACDC's really? lineup for for the most part, maybe not in the last 10 years, but, like, of whatever's changed around then. But, yeah, at some point, because, you know, he lived in Sydney and would just see bands randomly. Well, he, um, the original singer, I can't remember his name, sorry, but um, he he's performed with the original um, um, ACDC bass player. I don't know if the original original, but the one on the first few um, ACDC albums. Um They've performed in ACDC cover bands or tribute bands, which is cool. interesting considering they were both in the band. Considering but, they are technically, yeah. Yeah, ACDC. yeah. But um, uh, I think... Um, actually, I lost my train of thought. But the That's point okay. is, um, Axel, Axel Rose, you know, like, he's great. 
if I think what you were saying before, certain bands when they when they perform live, they we know if you they if I saw material. if I saw Axl Rose perform with ACDC, I'm 99 sure he would just win me over. I'm sure it'd be a great show. There are also those other times where you see bands live and it's 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 bad. Well, it's bad. Yeah, it kind of loses you over if anything. What's the what's the worst? big band that you've seen live okay like um, worst performance from a big band okay so when i saw molly crew the first time i had seats i okay. actually liked them a lot knew their songs they played with no encore and you know i know i know a lot of people don't like encores but i i, I like i like them i like them too because you know they're like a tradition so i didn't they didn't perform an encore the, the show was short um vince neal is kind of infamous for not singing the words um, properly, and the, that, the that performance happens. wasn't good. But when we saw them, when me and Reese saw them at Kiss, um, they performed. They opened for Kiss. Um, I, I actually like Molly Crew more than Kiss, so That's maybe cool. I'm a bit biased in that sense. But both me and Reese agreed, and I think he might be the same. I think he may, or I'm not sure if Reese prefer, prefers Molly Crew, but we actually both agreed that we thought the Molly Crew performance was better than Kiss. Cool. So if anything, they redeemed themselves. That's great. Um, the, one of the worst concerts I had seen, and I can't even. I almost can't even really explain why it was the worst. Actually, it wasn't bad, it just wasn't great. That then happens. when I performed with Kiss, much better, really good. Well, I think when sometimes, too, these bands, when they're performing with other big legends as encore acts, they want to step up their game. Yes. To impress and to not get mauled by whatever crowd. Because when you're having your own crowd, you can kind of feel a bit more relaxed. But when you're having, say, you're there and you're performing for a Kiss group, group of people you don't want to piss them mm. off uh i always think the worst uh, live band i've seen that's big was white stripes i saw oh. white stripes at the big day out um many many years ago i think it was like 2006 they were on straight after iggy pop worst um lineup to do because they ended the night white stripes ended the night after iggy pop and iggy so they were pop headlining then yeah, and Iggy Pop blew up, blew, blew up the stage, basically. He was great, everyone was revved up, and then White Stripes came on, and White Stripes are kind of known for not being the greatest band live, mm. and it didn't help uh, that they followed up a really great band after. So, um, And I just remembered they, they, re- they weren't good. And I like White Stripes, but they they just weren't good. So I saw... um, Because they're like a guitar and guitar drums. vocals and drums vocals, would they be better in a smaller setting? Perhaps, but I think the thing that they had problem with, you could tell, was they were unfamiliar with playing live, because I don't think they just... I think at that point, they didn't do it too much. They was You could tell by... What year was gen- this? I want to say 2006. Um, whenever Iggy Iggy was there, the that second time he was at the Big Day Out, because the first time he was at the Big Day Out, he got naked, and the second time, they paid him more not to get naked, which was funny. Um, but, uh, cause that's what Iggy Pop does, uh, sometimes, but, uh, yeah, uh, I want to say 2006, so it was when they were pretty big, big, you know, white stripes, but yeah, they weren't that great. I always think of them in my mind where I just go, oh yeah, the white stripes, there's like one of those big bands that just really weren't that great live. You could tell they were kind of anxious on stage, you kind of could tell that they didn't have their, they didn't have a presence, especially when you're following after Iggy Pop, who you know, he's, like, ripping up things and he's he literally accidentally cuts himself and he's bleeding everywhere and he's still going and then they come on and they're like, hey, guys, it's me, the White Stripes. And then they go, and it's just like, okay. Hmm. And then you end the night. Is I think it was just bad bad scheduling. Like, cause, Possibly. Because you want to end on a big, 
Rush and the White Stripes didn't have that over Iggy Pop, so. I saw um, there are certain bands that, you know, luckily I've seen them more than once so I can actually judge. Um, like, Alter Bridge, f- um, first time I saw them, I found them really boring. Mm. It was at Soundwave. Then at a different Soundwave for some reason, and they were much better. Yeah. Where then we had Slash, who, I s- who coincidentally, the Alter Bridge singer sings with his solo band. First time I saw him at Soundwave, it was 40 minutes set. Very, very, very good. Nice. Then I bought a ticket to their, Rod- I think it was, uh, well, it was in Melbourne somewhere, um, a show. And it was so boring, unfortunately. I didn't even. I can't even explain why. It just wasn't fun. They even had yeah. the Rose Tattoo um, singer, Angry Anderson, sing oh. um, the Guns N' Roses cover on Nice Was, which was a highlight, obviously. Of course, of course. And then I think I saw them once again, um, like the end of their set at Soundwave. They performed Paradise City, which was really good. So some, some bands have off nights, and it can be even hard to explain why. Yeah, but... I mean, that's, that, I mean it, ha- it happens, because they are human after all. Mm. What is... You know, because I don't get to talk music much with you. What is the best, the best live performance of a big band for this you? May or may not surprise you, but I think the best concert I've ever seen is actually Coldplay. Coldplay. Uh, not a fan. I do not like Coldplay. No, I do not. But I'm over I, them. I will respect your choice of liking them. Look, I haven't. Um, their last album, I haven't even really listened to much. I can't be bothered. And I think I'm kind of like there are certain bands I'm kind of sick of. The three bands. Well, the two bands I can think of that I'm sick of right now that I can't listen to probably for another 10 years, even though I like them, is Coldplay and The Eagles. Oh, okay. Yeah, because I like choices. both bands a lot. I've seen them live, but I don't want to, anything to do with their music for another <laughs> 10 years or so because I'm just sick of it. Of course. I do not get that ever. I, On my listening thing, I always have the same you know, 10 or 12 musicians on play. Maybe it's unfair because obviously Metallica and Linkin Park have played to Kingdom Come and I'm not sick oh, of them. Yeah, bon Jovi I got ones. sick of for a while, but then I got back into them recently. Uh, for me, my best one is still... I got to see the Rolling Stones. Wow. Yeah, that was about you know, uh, 2007, I want to say. Uh, and they were great. I mean, what can you... Even you, from their, on, at their age? Of course, of course. Uh, they, they know how to put on a show. They had great backup singers, great guests. The Living End were their um, backup band, and they impressed me. I've never really had many thoughts on The Living End, but uh, once you see a man jump onto a double bass, oh, yeah. uh, you know... I've seen them live. They're very, very, they're very good. They're very good, and uh, the Rolling Stones are the best ones. Uh, I mean, because they're showmans. They, they have, you know, they, they're rock royalty. And they're still doing it, and they're still great. And I want to see them again at some point. Uh, yeah, they're great. I mean, my second best, I never thought this, but like I, last year I saw David Byrne, mm. and I've always liked David Byrne. I've always liked the Talking Heads. Uh, but I never thought, like, I, I'd seen him, I thought I'd have a pleasant time, and I thought it'd be interesting fun, but I, he really, really, really was really good. Like, he was surprisingly good. He didn't have any show, like, he wasn't all showman like the Rolling Stones, the exact opposite, little... little on stage just emptiness just him and his band with wireless instruments you know and and you know all that stuff he was great so yeah those are just some fun ones awesome well thanks for that ryan we'll end it there and uh thanks for thanks for coming on to the show man i really appreciate it no problem you're listening to the rock capital podcast ryan your podcast spit and polish a music a music podcast where can we find it well i'm not a yeah a movie podcast yeah, uh, well, you can find me and my podcast, Ben Polish Presents, on all the podcast platforming sites. We're on Spotify, iTunes, Apple, you know, a- Apple Podcasts, uh, you know, Google Play, all of that stuff. We're on the social medias as well, under Spit and Polish. So, 
uh, Presents podcast, so you can find us anywhere. And uh, like I said earlier, uh, later on in this month of February, we're going to have Stefan on uh, for a Mystery Box episode, so uh, keep tuned for that. Yes, and uh, you can also check out Rock Capital on Facebook and Twitter, which is Rock Capital Pod, is on those platforms, and you can also... Uh, subscribe to us on where you get your favorite podcasts, Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Google Podcasts. Yeah, Google and iTunes have like different names for their podcasts. It's really confusing, yeah. isn't it? Um, but please, for both our podcasts, you know, like, rate, subscribe, give a review, and of course, tell your friends about us. Yeah, spread us like a plague. Exactly, spread us like a plague. And, uh, you know, write us nice comments on our social medias too. That really helps as well. Well, thanks again, Ryan. I'm sure you'll be back on this podcast soon. I am the table. Yes, he is the table indeed. Worship. I will worship. (laughs) This is Rock Capital Podcast about rock music and Melbourne. My name is Stefan. See you later.